believe that you haven't sinned, then your sin is lying to yourself. Do you know that to worry is sin? It is the sin that we know the best. It is so common to us that we don't even recognize that it's a sin. We don't even get it. Worry? Yeah. How am God is, hey, don't fret not. Don't be afraid. Worry. But how many of you can thank God for the blood of Christ? Because even though there's a sin of omission, the things that you're supposed to do that you don't do, and the sin of commission, the things that you commit, right? You're still saved. He still loves you. You can't get away from this love. How far, it doesn't matter how high, right? How low, how wide, how thick. It doesn't matter the situation. Nothing matters. We can't have a works mentality. A works mentality is this, is that, you know what? I will obey and God will love me and God will accept me. That's not right. That's not true. I am accepted. I am loved and because of it I obey we got to get that as a church okay that's that's what we do because outside of that it's work you're working and you're going to get tired you're going to get exhausted I can't live this life that God has called me to live yes you can you can live the life you're accepted you're loved Obey. See, when I obey to be accepted in love, I'm trying to manipulate God, and I can't, I can't manipulate God. Jesus is enough to save us, and let me go back to the question. And this is a beautiful thing. Why would God allow us to even be here if he knew that the first folks or the first folks was going to fail. Because the Bible says he loved us while we were yet sinners. He loved us before the foundation of the earth. It doesn't matter that you're going to make a mistake because he is going to sustain us. So rather than do without us, he would rather create you, allow you to fall so that you can experience his love. See, it's not necessary, and this is the part of the conversation that, that he got me on. He said, so God needs love? I said, no, he is love. You need love. God needs for nothing. But when you experience his love, you love him back. It just happens that way. Are y'all here? Gosh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited to be able to, to tell you guys this. I am, because this is, this was, this is my hang-up, the religion part of church. And I, I want to I break that. I want you guys, because see, when you don't, when you're trying to win God, you can't win God. 
You can't win him. He doesn't work that way. God wins you. He shows you his love. He woos you. He swoons you. And he draws us. This is how this works. We have to get the religious mindset out of the equation. Because what happens to us when we can't meet the standard is we walk away. And we find something wrong in our minds with God. Is Jesus enough? Is Jesus enough to save us? Is he enough to save us? And why is he enough to save us? Well, first of all, he's perfect. My God is perfect. Is your God perfect? The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that he came in the volume of the book to do the will of God. He said, lo, I've come in the volume of the book to do your will, God. Because bullocks and sheep and turtle doves and pigeons wouldn't be necessary for a sacrifice because the perfect sacrifice would hang on a cross because our, for our sin, the wages of it is not the beating, it's not the ripping off of the beard, it's none of that, it's not the insults, it is death. It is the death that he bore for each and every person that sits in here. Take it personal. It is for you. Put it to you this way. If you've ever been broke, you had no money, and you got an overdraft. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. You're overdrawn in your account. In your sin account, you're overdrawn. You're overdrawn. From the day that you're born, you're overdrawn. But the Lord says, my son has enough credit for everyone that would call upon the name of the Lord. <sighs> See, the devil, the enemy, he has a plot. I want you guys to get this. This is going to help you. Put this in your mental Rolodex. If you're, you know, if you're not taking notes, take this down. And if you're taking notes, take this down. God has a plan of salvation for you. The enemy has a plot. The enemy never has a plan. He always has a plot. A plot is an evil scheme to bring you down, to set you back. The influence of the enemy is here. It's in church. It's everywhere you go. The influence is there. The enemy will try to keep you from praising God because he'll like, look at your problems. Look at your bank account. Look at what you're going through. Look at your marriage. Look at your kids. You're failing in school. And you want to worship this God? That's a plot. But the plan of God is, I keep my eyes set on him, and he will supply all of my needs according to his riches and his glory. I don't have to look away from him. He is the one that will do it. We got to learn as a church to lean on Jesus and not our own understanding. Come on, somebody. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, 
it says salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. No other name. In the Old Testament, they, there were some names that were given to God. Jehovah Jireh, the provider. Jehovah Nisi, he was a banner, right? Jehovah Shalom, God, our peace, right? Jehovah Sitkanu, God, our righteousness. Jehovah Ra'ah, God, our shepherd. Those names were given to God, and now all of those names are in a man, and his name is Jesus. He is our provider. He gives us his peace. He is our shepherd. He is our righteousness. All those names are now embodied in the name of Jesus Christ. In one name by which all shall be saved who would call upon his name. Jesus is enough not only to save us, but he is enough to keep us saved. Ooh, that's a big problem because that's what we're trying to do we're trying to keep ourselves saved and Jesus is saying hey over here I can only do that it's only me do we believe it do we have enough faith to believe that it's God who sustains us it is Christ who sustains us yeah I have a um my daughter and my son-in-law who I really appreciate him taking my daughter off of my hands, who I love so much. You two for two. And, um, and I saw them doing something one day, and I thought it was really weird, and it illustrates my point. They had a puzzle a puzzle, and maybe it was 500,000, I don't know how many pieces it was, but it was just too much for me. And they were playing with, uh, putting the puzzle together, and I guess it was their bonding time or conversation time, I guess they loved to do that or whatever, but it was a puzzle. And I'm like, seriously, a puzzle? But I noticed something about the puzzle. The puzzle comes in, let's say, 3,000 pieces. It's absolutely ridiculous to me to sit there and put something together that was together before, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> they tore it apart for you to put it together, and you enjoy that, and I, I just don't understand the logic. But they do. There's a picture on the box. And the picture on the box is what these pieces are supposed to look like when you're done, when you finish the puzzle. That's what it's supposed to look like. That's faith. It's faith like I've never seen it before. Because they never, when you open up, how many of you had a puzzle before? You've had a puzzle. Have you ever asked yourself, I wonder if all the pieces are here? You've asked yourself that? If you bought it at a thrift shop, you asked yourself that. Because if you bought it at Toys R Us, you bought it assuming that all the pieces were there. Absolutely. So if you trust a manufacturer 
to put 3,000 pieces in a box and you don't assume for a moment that one piece is missing, why would you not trust Jesus with the pieces of your life to keep you safe? Praise God. That's a weird thing to me, and I've been waiting for so long to, to preach that. I had to, I had to wait till it was okay. I had to get to know Jordan, let him know, man, I, I adore you, your crazy self, putting a puzzle together. He is enough to keep us saved. Faith. It is said that I don't believe the rising sun because I can see it. I believe in the sun because of what it allows me to see. I don't believe in Jesus because I can see him. I believe in Jesus because of what he's allowed me to see. The Bible says that only God, the Father, can reveal Jesus to you. So then you see that Jesus is Lord. And the Bible says, speaking to Peter, who do you say that I am? And he said, I say that you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. Only the Father that's in heaven could have revealed that to him. And if you believe that today, then you also believe that he is the one that can keep you from falling. He is the one that keeps you from stumbling. You say, Pastor, I stumble and I fall and I do all these things. No. The Bible's not talking about that kind of stumble. It's talking about a stumble where you don't recover. Where you don't come back. He is the one that keeps us from going back. And even when we go back, as I did, and some of you did, for whatever reason, you end up right where you started. Because you know the truth. And in my opinion, although it seemed Robert and some of you have fallen, at the end of the day, no one sees that you've fallen. What happens to the time when you look like you were sinning or away from God? It ends up being a testimony that encourages other people. It's never negative when it comes to the church. It ends up encouraging someone else. Did you really fall? Did you really stumble? Or was the father waiting on the porch for his prodigal son or daughter. Jesus is enough to keep us saved. The Bible says in Psalms 119, 165, great peace have those, are those who love your law and nothing can make them stumble. God wants you to love his ways. God wants you to love what he has to say. And you won't stumble. In Jude chapter 1, verse 24, it says, To whom 
or to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. Jesus is enough to mend all relationships, all bad relationships. He is enough to mend them, every last one of them. I can go through the list of the bad relationships, but I won't. He is enough to cause a person that was racist before not to be racist anymore. I went to Puerto Rico and I saw the strangest thing that I I believe I've ever seen in my life was, um, if you're Puerto Rican, then you're Puerto Rican. In my opinion, that's just my opinion. I could, I could be dumb, you know. I don't, I don't. I could be stupid in saying that. But there's never been a Puerto Rican that said to me, "Hey, I'm Puerto Rican." I think so. It's usually I'm a Puerto Rican. I know that I'm a Puerto Rican, and that's where it stops. Got a flag in my car to prove it, you know. So that's usually where it stops. I'm a Puerto Rican, and that's it. But when I went to Puerto Rico, I lived there for three months, and I saw the strangest thing. It was people who had dark skin that didn't like people who had light skin. People had nappy hair, because Puerto Ricans come in all different shapes and sizes and colors. Nappy hair, straight hair, blonde hair, doesn't matter. And I didn't get it. I don't understand. I was like, Marty, but they're Puerto Rican. No, but they just don't. See, my wife's grandma, she didn't like me because I, I was black. But I'm like, no, I look like all them other Puerto Ricans. Why don't she like me? What's up? Maybe she just don't like me. No, no. You, you El Negro, so... That, that's the issue. But that was, I, I didn't understand that. But do you know, do you understand that God, when he enters into your life and he baptizes you in his spirit, will cause you to see people differently? And if that hasn't happened yet, the altar will be open after church. And whatever devil you have, we will, I'll get Zane down here, and he will cast it out. Because I'm afraid of demons. But God can mend, Jesus can mend all relationships. And I, I, seriously, this is why. This is why. My wife and I were totally opposites. Complete opposites. My wife is... When I met her, she was just, I, I'm not kidding. She would see me, and she made me feel so special when she would see me. She would start going like this. I, I'm not kidding. It was her little thing that she would do, right? And it was cool to me, but she would get all excited, and she would run to me, and she would jump right on me. And that was just her thing. But I didn't know that she was really, really, really extremely shy. And that's how she hit it, by getting super excited, by compressing that. 
But we were, we were exact opposites. A lot of us in this place today, we're opposites. We're not the same. You don't like what I like, and I don't like what you like. Some of you like to hunt. It's fun to you. Some people like puzzles. And for the people who like puzzles, we need to have a talk, because I got a lot of stuff in my house that's broken. But there's things that we have that we would not be friends. Come on. Let's be real about it. We would not be friends. We would really not know. We would be, I wouldn't be inviting you over to my house. Let's be real about it. We wouldn't be having these team nights and, and all that good stuff and parties and, and all that. We would not be doing that. But because we have one thing in common. One thing in common has caused me to have friends that I would never have if I was still in the world. Because Jesus is a mender of relationships. That's what he does. That's what he was trying to do the whole time that he was here. You see those tax collectors? You see those tax collectors? I'm hanging out with them. You see those sinners? I'm going to eat with them. You see that prostitute? I'm going to take up for her. You should do the same. Mend the relationships. That's what he was trying to do the whole time that he was here. And so that's what we're trying to do. There's a line in the sand. And we're saying, let's, let's get to know each other. Amen? Let's, I want to know you. I want to know about your culture. And when we come to church, we drop the culture for a holy culture, right? I want to know what you eat. I may not want to eat what you eat, but I want to know what you eat. I heard a guy, um, he was a Cajun. Uh, we went to something that's called the round table. And he, he said, I'm, I'm a Cajun, right? And I was like, okay. And he said, you know, if there was a Cajun in the Garden of Eden, he said that whole story would have been totally different totally different if it was occasion because because the snake would have came and started talking I would have ate that snake <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny because <laughs> I started to try to I started trying to figure out like dang then what would happen when the Lord takes pleasure in anyone's way he causes their enemy to make peace with them. Are you agreeable or are you teachable? There's a story in the Bible of two sons. Jesus tells a parable. He tells the one son, he says, hey, go into the field and work. And the son says, sure. And he never goes. And the second son, he says, hey, go in the field and work. And he says, no. And he goes and works. He goes and does the job. The first, you just agree with me. You just agree with everything that God says, but you do nothing about it. You do absolutely nothing about it. There's people that, hey, could you advise me on this? Could you tell me? Yep, let's go to the Bible. And I tell them exactly what to do, and they do 
what they want to do. Agreeable people will fail. The teachable ones. Because the son said, no, I'm not going. And then he was like, you know what? It will be better for all of us if I go and do what the Father has asked me to do. Jesus is enough to finish what he started in you. Jesus hasn't forgotten you. He knows where you've been and what you've been through and how you've been hurt. He gets it. He gets it. When Jesus was going to the well, there was a moment. The reason why Jesus went to the well was because he was exhausted. We don't want to see Jesus like that. I see Jesus like this. Like, hey, we need to, we need to go over to that well because I'm thirsty. But we don't see Jesus like that. The Lord came down to get in the dirt with us. The Lord came down to get in the broken spots with us. See, the Bible to me has three things. You probably can figure out the others, right? How I treat you and my, or my relationship with you or others and my relationship with God. That's two. And then there will be one more thing. God with us. From the very beginning, it was about God with us. Read your Bible. Genesis, God was with us. I just want to be with you guys. No, you broke the law. I can't, I can't be with you. He's always wanted to be with us. The temple. Why was the temple created? Why was the tabernacle created? So that you can have his presence. So that he could be with us. Then Jesus, again, I'm going to fix this thing once and for all. This is it. You're not going to need temples because the Holy Spirit is going to dwell within you. Again, even after Jesus left, the Holy Spirit came, God with us. He just wanted to be with us. God with us. He will finish what he started in you. And you just have to believe it. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 I want you to be confident in this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ, until the day that this thing ends. Jesus is enough to bring joy into our lives, and this is where I will end in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 8. It says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. So I want to say this. Uh, I've said it before, but it's, it's always good a third time. When I lost my sister, that was not a happy moment for me. But it was a joyous moment. See, you won't understand that. Happiness is situational. Joy is eternal, the joy that God gives you. Which means that what God gave me, God, what God's joy allows you to do, it allows you to see God in every last situation. So he started to break down her life for me. 
to allow me to see that he didn't have to give me her. That he didn't have to allow me to meet her or to have her in my life. But he did. And I remember we would spend hours together. Hours. Who does that with their little sister? I don't know if you guys remember tape recorders. If you do, then you guys are my age and bless you. If you don't remember tape recorders, you missed out on such a fun time. Because we used to sit and we would tape one another and we would sing songs and imitate people on TV and laugh. And I went back to those times. Thank you, God, for allowing me. That's joy. But I got mad at God. I'm not Superman. I was mad with God. God, there was so much that was promised over her life. Where, what, what's going to happen to everything that was promised and who she was supposed to be. And then I started reading the Bible and I saw where God told Jacob that Jacob was going to receive the promised land. And God told Isaac, Isaac, you're going to receive the promised land. And God told Abraham, Abraham, you're going to receive the promised land. But not one of them saw the promised land. Their children saw the promise. So I believe that her children will see the promise. But I find joy in the fact that God gave her to me for 44 years. I had to get on my knees and pray and ask God, you need to show me. It was the day of her wake. And I was so upset with God. You need, to, I need to see it. And then that still small voice in my heart said, I gave her to you. It's over. Look at what I've given you. You wouldn't be the person that you are today if it was not for her. You would not be pursuing ministry if it was not for her. That was my doing. Joy. But where this joy comes from, it comes from knowing that Jesus is enough. He's enough. He's enough to save you. He's enough to deliver you. He's an, he is a rescuer. You didn't fall off a boat and he came and saved you. You were drowning already. You were under the water and he reached his hands down and he said, come up here. You're my child. It is him. He is enough. When he is not enough for you, it means that you've went your own way. But when he is enough for you, it's when you find joy. He is enough to save you. He is enough to keep you saved. We can stand to our feet. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand of praise. He's good, isn't he? want to pray with you guys. God is good. 
and he's been good to you. He has. You just need to exercise the joy that he's given you so that you can recognize where he was. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we glorify you, God, today. We honor you. God, you're so good. Your word says to taste and see that the Lord is good. And God, we've tasted. And there's no way that we're turning back. We love you, Lord. And God, I pray for each person that is sitting in front of me today. God, I just pray that you would glorify yourself in their lives. God, I pray when you touch their heart, Lord God, and they recognize that it is you, that they would respond to you calling them, God. I thank you for your church, God. I thank you for healing. I thank you, God, for hope. And I pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And the saints said a big, oh,